Amen. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Uh, Today you will learn probably nothing new. That's encouraging to start the sermon. Today I hope you're reminded something of something deep down in your core and the truth that I hope we're all reminded of today is that God loves you. Now I'm willing to bet that that statement God loves you stirred nothing inside of your heart. Especially if you've grown up in the church any time at all. Because we know that those three little words though packed with uh, extreme power have um, kind of faded to become just a Christian cliche that we stamp on the side of a lot of things. Today, we're going to jump into three verses. First uh, John chapter 3. Get there in your Bibles. If you need a Bible, there's one under a seat. First John chapter 3. The first three verses of First John chapter 3. Take those three words, God loves you, and it It packs the power behind why that is true. I I don't know how many times throughout 11 years of ministry, pastoral ministry, I've sat across from people and in trying to reach for something to communicate that like, you're in a really hard situation and I don't know what else to say right now, so I'm just going to stick a pastoral cliche on it. God loves you. The ones who are vulnerable and raw and real will go, I know, I know, I know, I know, but it doesn't feel like it right now. Today, John does something as he comes to, this isn't the end of chapter two for him, he's just writing a letter, it's the end of chapter two as we have it in our Bibles, and we saw it last week, and it says this, First uh, John two twenty-eight, and now little children abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Now, John's going to do something. I love when uh, the writers of the scriptures do what John's about to do. You see Paul do it all the time. He just wrote something down in this letter, and it's what we have in verse 29. And then right after that, he's like, I can't stop there. i got to talk more about that. i got to unpack that. And that's what you have in the first three verses of 1 John chapter 3. It's John expounding more on what he's just written in verse 29 about what it means to be born of God. But before we get on to uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, I want you to see how another, uh, some other translators, the translators of the NET version of the Bible translated verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you also know that everyone who practices righteousness, you read the end of me, what's it say? Has been fathered by him. 
NET, great study translation, highly recommend. They give notes for everything of why they translated it the way they did. And the note for that, it says, there's something to this, this, this wording here that gets beyond just a general sense of being born of someone. It gets to the, the very nature of the fact that God is Father. That, that yes, we're, we're born of him, but, but God is fathering us. Come on, y'all. God is fathering us. And, and this is what this idea that John then picks up as he gets into the beginning of what we have as chapter 3. He's like, can we just stop and unpack that for a minute? The fact that God has loved us so much that he's fathering us, that I'm a child of his. And this, this is what we're going to unpack this morning. Um, this is an important message for you and for me because um, there's something, something deeply reassuring to know that we are, in fact, a child of God and he is our father. Uh, we know this from an earthly perspective that um, there's something healthy about a child knowing that their father loves them. There's something healthy for us to know that our Father loves us. There's, there's something identity-defining identity about knowing how deep the Father's love for us is. There's something that allows our soul to rest by knowing how deep the Father's love for us is. There's something that allows us on the other side of absolutely blowing it and sinning in a great way that can experience the conviction and the discipline of the Father, yet know that he's not kicking us out of the family. And so, um, the first three verses of 1 John chapter 3, I pray for most of us in the room probably won't teach us a lick of a thing that's anything new. And yet at the same time, I'm praying teaches us something that is new. Like we get it. You with me? Father, would you do that right now? Lord, we even as I started that prayer, I called you Father. Lord, I've just taken it for granted. I just, I just say the word, but I don't often meditate on what that actually means. Help us to understand, God, what that actually means. That you love us as your kids. And that you're a good and perfect dad to us. So God, please, would you do that today? Would you speak that freshly into our heart today, God? I beg you in Jesus' name, amen. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called what? That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, beloved we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be, what's it say? Mind blower. We shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. The first thing, just stating the obvious, but let's write it down, is this. God loves you. He has adopted you as 
a child. Uh, There's all of Christianity hinges around this message. We call it the gospel. Um, It's good news. It's the fact that all of us have been alienated from God because of our sin. Our sin has introduced brokenness into all of this world, and our sin has alienated us relationally from God. God, out of his great love for us, has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross to pay the ultimate penalty for our sin. And God is inviting us, by faith, to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. The moment we have placed saving faith in Jesus Christ, we are adopted into the family of God, we are a son and a daughter of the Most High. There's something about our heart that the moment this happens begins to sing. Our heart begins to go, yes, finally, I figured out why in the world I was created. I was made to worship. And we've, 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 like, we've directed that worship in all different kinds of bad and false and in unredemptive ways. And then our heart meets Jesus and it says, yes, yes, yes. We are now a child of the most high. Now, I totally get when we read of um, God as father, and you see this through all, all throughout scripture, um, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The understanding of God as Father, for many of us as humans, and for many of us in this room, it gets filtered through our understanding of our experience with an earthly father. And that either has some really positive and helpful connotations for a greater understanding of God as Father. In other ways, it can, it can um, have so, some not-so-redemptive ways that we understand. Like, man, when I read that, I, I get it, and I want to get it, but like my dad was absent, or my dad didn't really um, um, model the character of the Father to me. And so we just need to understand um, who we're talking about when we're talking about God as Father. He's our perfect dad. Ain't none of us in here who are dads sitting out here as perfect dads, right? I could ask your kids to give me an amen to that. (laughs) But there's something about God as Father that's absolutely flawless and perfect and the uh, very epitome of the definition of what a father is to be. And let's just unpack that. And this is an exhaustive list. But we got to understand who God is as our perfect dad. Um, He loves us passionately. I don't have to say much more about this, but the Lord pursues us with a love that is deeply passionate. Uh, He... (laughs) He is not unintentional in his love for us. He is intentional and he pursues and he knows exactly what we need, when we need it, and exactly how we need it. Uh, He is a perfect dad who loves us passionately. How about this one? We don't always like this one, but it's a good thing. He disciplines us justly. The book of Hebrews talks about this. 
Like, hey, he's like, the writer of Hebrews is like, if, if you don't experience the discipline of the Father, like, you're an illegitimate child. If you experience the dis- discipline of the Father, it shows your legitimacy as a child. And none of us are like, yes, please, this week, more discipline for our Father. But there's something we must rejoice in when you're sensing that conviction and the discipline of the Father. You go like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you love me enough that you'll discipline me justly. But it's always just. It's never unjust. It's always perfectly fitting. He's always accomplishing something of making us more like Jesus every day. He leads strongly. He doesn't doesn't just create us and then say, Brock, good luck. See you on the other side. He's leading, he's guiding. He's given us his spirit who in relationship with Jesus Christ now dwells inside of us to prompt and to guide and to lead. He is not an absent dad. He has not left us to figure it out on our own. He's right there with us. Some of you need to hear that this morning. He's right there with you. He's been quiet on something. Look at me now. He's been quiet on something. He's been quiet on something. You've been searching and asking and asking. You're like, I think I'm really searching. I think I'm really asking. I think I really want to know. And he's just been quiet. He's doing something. Just keep searching. Just keep knocking. Just keep listening. But he'll lead you in it. He leads us strongly. He provides faithfully. As a perfect dad, he'll provide faithfully to you. Some of us are like, oh, I wish he'd provide a little more right now. But it, it's, perf- it's perfect. He knows exactly what to provide, how to provide it, when to provide it. He's perfect in every way. And then this one is beautiful. He protects perfectly. He protects perfectly. Um, immediately, those of you who've experienced some things that are deeply traumatic in your life might go, I, don't, I know that, I know I should believe that, but there's some things that have happened that I've just wondered where the protection of a loving father was in that moment. There's something that we always need to camp out and remember as Christians, that um, the worst thing that can happen to us, and I say this often, but it's so important, it changes everything about how we actually go about living in this world. The worst thing that can happen to us today or this week is that our life is taken from us. It's the worst thing that can happen. You're like, that sounds pretty bad. I know, I know, but, but hear me out. As a child of God, even if our life is taken from us, we live. And I know there's events that happen and headlines we read and stuff that's happened in our family or maybe in our own life. And you're like, where was the protection of the Father, even if our life is taken from us, we, we gain. We gain. He's protecting perfectly. I wanted to camp out here and not just fly past verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, that he's adopted us in. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure, that he would adopt me. That he that, that that blows my mind that he would adopt me. That he would look down as a perfect and holy God and say, That one, I'll take him. I'm like, 
I feel like the kid who should be picked last in gym class dodgeball, right? And he's like, I'll take him. And as their dad, he's perfect in every way. That we don't need to apply some filter of, of how maybe that's been mischaracterized in our life. But he's perfect in every way. Now, so the truth is, in Christ, for anyone in this room who has put their faith in Jesus Christ, they've been adopted in as a child. Now, what is God our Father doing right now in us as a good dad? And what will he do one day that's completely awesome? Verse 2. Beloved, we are God's children. What's it say? Now. Beloved, we are God's children now. Stop there. Beloved, we are God's children when? So the beauty of this following Jesus thing isn't just that like, great, I've trusted Christ, insurance policy out of hell in my back pocket, and like one day when I die, it's going to be awesome. No, we are God's children We experience the blessings of walking as a child of the Most High God. We have him leading us. We know the perfect peace he can give us. You're losing some steam. (laughs) You get the point, though. This is where my wife would be saying, we get the point. Go, Brock, go. But I, I really do want us to get the point. It isn't like eat, eat. Eternal life begins the moment we trust Christ. And yes, we're going to get there. Oh, it's going to get better, okay? But it's good now that we have the Father guiding and we can walk as a child of God now. Beloved, we are God's children now. But you ready for this? And what we will be has not yet appeared. What, John, what are you saying? Okay. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Now, no, no, stop. Like, get your mind off Colts tonight. Get your mind off lunch Get your mind off the thing that's stressing you out from last week. Get your mind off the cool thing that's going to happen this week. And you got to get there. Like you really have to understand and dwell on what in the world that just said. It cracks me up sometimes how I can be in like my personal study in the morning and we can just read the scripture together and we can come to something like, Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared. We know that when he appears, we should be like him because we should see him as he is. That's all cool. That's cool. My scone's good. That's cool. Do you, like, do we get what that just said? Come on now, let's just let the word do its thing on our heart right now. That there is a day coming, well, let me just give you the point and then we'll unpack it. God loves you. He's making you more like Jesus every day. Now. He's sanctifying us now. Sanctifying means he's making us more like Jesus now. 
He's doing this every day. He wastes nothing. Any challenge he brings into our life is to make us more like Jesus. Any blessing he lavishes to make us more like Jesus. He's doing this now. We are God's child now. He's making you more like Jesus every day. Until you are just like Jesus on the day. He's going to perfect us. The the hangover of our sin is going to be gone one day. We will be perfect in his presence. I know, I know, we can't even grasp that, but we need to dwell on it. And I, I want us to see how this happens. Beloved, we are God's children. Now what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? What's it say after that? Because what? That because we shall see him. The purifying effect of the sight of the Lord. There's something about when we see him that is purifying. I want you homework this week. Really do it. It's going to be encouraging for you. Go through the scriptures and look for the times that the Lord appears and watch what happens to the people he appears to. Read about when Moses would go out to the tent of meeting and all the people would like come out to the edge of their tents and they'd watch him. They'd be like, he's going. He's going to meet with him. And then he'd come out of that tent and his face would be what? Glowing. There's something about the purifying nature of the day we will see him. Are you ready for that day? Come on, really, really. Are you ready for that day? Where we'll see him. And there's something purifying about the sight of him. And it says we will be like him. There will be a day we are released from the brokenness of this flesh. There will be a day we will worship him perfectly, unhindered by any distortion of our sin. We're not there yet, but that day is the issue. That day is the assured hope of our future. I was reminded that I'm not there yet, hanging a light fixture on Friday morning. If I ever need a reminder of the depths of the sin still remaining in my heart, all I need to do is hang a light fixture. I didn't cuss with my mouth. I did throw a hat. I did look across the ladder to my wife helping me hold it, and she gave me, she didn't even need to talk. Nine years into marriage, I knew exactly what it said. How attractive, right? <laughs> Guys, in the new earth, I will hang a light fixture sin free. <laughs> you with me? Come on, house projects, right? They're of the enemy. 
I want, I want us to get this. I want us to get this. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We're longing for it, right? We're longing for it. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. He's going to perfect us. Not because we have progressively grown perfect in ourselves. He'll perfect us. The sight of him will have some perfecting work on us. And it leads us into what it says in verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. There's a purifying work of hoping in Christ. And that hope isn't, isn't just some worldly hope of like, man, I really hope like everything he's saying up there actually happens. Hope in scripture is an assured hope. It's going to happen. We will be before him. And if in faith you have trusted Jesus Christ as a savior, you are a child of God and you will see him and you will be like him and we will worship him in a new heaven and new earth forever perfectly hanging light fixtures without sinning. Just camp there. For all of you in the room who are like, okay, okay, but, but what do we do about it, Pat? Like, what do you want me to do this week with it? What do you want me to do this week with it? I want you to know you're a child of the Most High God. I want you to, I want you to know. And if you absolutely blow it this week, I want you to know, yes, you might experience the conviction of a loving father. You might experience the discipline of a loving father, but he's not kicking you out of the family. He's a good dad. I want your identity to rest in the fact that there is nothing I can do because I'm in Christ that would not make me a son or daughter. I want you to really know and experience this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to rest in it. And I think if we will do that, it will have deep practical implications because the end of chapter 2 ended by talking about those who practice righteousness. I think the greatest thing we can do to be people who practice righteousness is just draw near to the character of this perfect father that we have. The closer we draw near to him, the more we will desire to be like him. We will taste and see that he is good and will want the things that are of him. You with me? So John Stott says it like this. Anytime John Stott says it, I just say what he said instead of trying to make something cool up on my own. It's enough for us to know that on the last day and through eternity, we shall be both with Christ and like Christ. You with me? So just three, three questions I want us to wrestle with as we walk out of here today. The first one is a really important one. Are you a child of God? Are you a child of God? If you're in the room today and you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. If you're in the room today and you're like, I don't even know the statement you just said. What in the world does it mean to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior? At the end of this service, there'll be people up front here. We would love to talk to you about what this means for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Are you a child of God? That can happen this morning by you calling out on Jesus to save you.
Don't walk out of here before you talk to someone, whether you came with someone or whether you want to talk to someone up here about what that means. The second one for everyone in the room. Do you regularly dwell on your adoption by God? Think about it. Think deeply about it. Go deeper than just God loves me. Yes, but how do I know? He has adopted me as a son, as a daughter. He has made me one of his own. Do you dwell on that? Do you dwell on the implications of that? Do you dwell on what that communicates to you about how much he loves you? Do you dwell on that, how, how that sets your identity on a rock-solid foundation? Does that inform the way you respond when you've sinned? Does that inform the way you show up to worship at church on Sunday? Does that inform the way when your alarm clock goes off in the morning that you live out the day that he's giving you? You've been adopted as a son or daughter. It affects everything thing. Do you dwell on that? Like you just gave me a lot to dwell on, I know. Do you think about that? Do you worship over that? And then this last one, are you resting in the purifying work of the Father now and the perfecting work of the Father that's to come? Are you resting in that? He's at work. You're a child now. He's sanctifying. He's making you more like Jesus. He's at work in our lives in every circumstance. And then he'll do one awesome work when we see him and perfecting us, allowing us freedom from the bondage of our flesh. Because he loves us, he's adopted us, He's sanctifying us, and one day he will perfect us. Worship in that this week. Church, will you stand with me? Father, I just want to pray right now. God, I pray that we would dwell on the truths of what your word just told us. God, I pray that we would... uh, not allow it to stay just at the level of just some, yeah, 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 I know this, I've heard it, but Lord, that it would truly grip our heart. Lord, would you teach us more at a heart level what it means to be a son or a daughter of you? Lord, would you help us understand what it means that you're our our father, a perfect dad? Lord, just as John did right here as he was writing this, where he just went into a time to worship over this reality of being fathered by you, Lord, I pray that your spirit would help us this week worship over that reality as well. And so, God, will you do that? Would you take your living and active word, and even as we walk out of church on Sunday, would it continue to just be alive in our heart in such a way that shapes the week ahead? We ask you for that, Jesus, in your name.